This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome once again to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us every Tuesday morning on a new episode. It is a pleasure to be able to share our Tuesday with you. It's always a joy also to be able to hear the testimony of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Um, and just a quick reminder, guys, uh, if you have not followed us on social media, we would love for you to go and do that probably after this episode. <laughs> just go and follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and that's a way for us to stay connected with each other. And if you have any prayer requests or you want to let us know how the Lord has been using this podcast in your life, we will love to hear all of that. And an easy way to find the link is by uh, going on the show notes or the description if you're watching from YouTube. So go on the link here on the show notes in the description, and there you will be able to find us basically everywhere. I think we've, we have tried to, to submit our podcast everywhere. Uh, so thank you for all of you who have been listening or have been following us. I, I have been so encouraged just to hear from so many of you, uh, whether it is in person or uh, on social media. I've been able to uh, meet so many sweet friends through social media, and I praise the Lord for that. It's just a reminder that the Church of Christ is bigger than just the local church. So uh, how wonderful is that? And as we do every Tuesday, guys, we have a new guest, and this person is very sweet. This guest is so special to my heart. She knows why. <laughs> I don't think I have to tell, I don't have to say it, but I know that she knows how uh, close to my heart she is, and I'm so grateful for her and uh, just the joy that she brings in so many of our lives. Like, I, I think anyone who knows her know that she is such a joyful person, and that is because of Christ. And I guess we will find out why, right? We will we will hear more about the work of the Lord in her life and what he's doing currently and ministries that she's serving and all of that. So please help me welcome my dear friend, Stephanie Blood. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is special. You're special to me. <laughs> I, I love, you know, our little story that we know. We know our little story, so I'm very grateful. How we met. For you. Yes, it's special. <laughs> it's very special, but I am so grateful just for the joy that you bring in our lives. I, I think like you and Rhiannon, I've always uh, remember you both as people who are so always joyful, people who are always with the biggest smile. Whenever <laughs> I see you around, like you just have the biggest smile, and I'm so grateful. And I know that's because of Christ and you know everything that He has done in your life. And I'm so, so excited for everyone to get to know you today. <laughs> I know she, she said, you know, she's like, I've never done anything like this. I'm just going to answer your questions and that's it. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for saying yes to this, Steph. Yeah, absolutely. It took us a while to actually get this scheduled, but yes, we persevered. <laughs> well, I, I'm so thankful to the Lord that it actually, ha it's happening. So I'm very grateful for it, for you to say, you know, yes. Because I know a lot of people are not like super comfortable sometimes. Like when I tell them, oh yeah, we actually record videos. Then <laughs> they're like, ah, but I'm so grateful that you said yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not comfortable, but it's, it's not my testimony. It's the Lord's testimony. Yeah. So when people ask me, I try to just say yes before I think about it. Because then I might say no. And then <laughs> that's not the right response. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> didn't think about it too much. So I'm glad for that. 
<laughs> but Steph, so normally I like to have my guests just to kind of give us a little background about their life, their upbringing, their family. What was life like growing up for you? Were you raised in a believing home? And you can take it from there. Oh, sure. <laughs> so I grew up in Oregon and um, my parents got saved in their 20s. So I did grow up in a believing home. I heard the gospel all of my life. My parents actually decided before I was born that they wanted to homeschool. And my dad actually had a home business. He was a commercial fisherman on the Oregon coast. And there also wasn't a good church in our town. So we listened to Pastor John in our living room. So I was homeschooled, home churched, and my dad had a home business. So it was naturally kind of isolating. My parents weren't trying to be weird or anything. They were just making decisions that they wanted to honor the Lord with. And so all together, it just didn't provide a lot of community until I started working when I was 14. But yeah, I definitely grew up in a believing home, listening to Pastor John since I was in the womb. And <laughs> so I'm grateful. I'm grateful yeah. for that legacy because the longer I've been at Grace, I I realize what a blessing it is to have believing parents. That's a foundation like none other. So I'm really yeah. grateful. And what did that look like? So do you have any siblings? Do you, how many siblings do you have? And what was the whole family dynamic as far as like teaching you the word of God? I mean, you said like church is basically at home and everything. So how did that look like? You know, how did both of your parents, you know, make sure that you were growing in the knowledge of the gospel, but not only the knowledge of the gospel, but confronting even sin from a young age in your life? So important. So Bible was a part of our homeschool curriculum, and that was listening to Dr. J. Vernon McGee and John MacArthur on the radio, as well as reading in the morning. I think the original quota was a chapter a day and maybe a devotional by Oswald Chambers called My Atmosphere is Highest. And I think I was about 10 when I got that devotional, and it didn't make a lick of sense to me. I didn't understand anything that I was reading, but I... I'm kind of a people pleaser and I, I wanted to obey my parents in that regard. And that actually cultivated a wonderful habit of just wanting to be in the word. And one day it switched over from this is what I have to do to this is what I want to do. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grateful that they made me do that each day, even though it was just out of obedience and not desire at the first. That's kind of the biggest thing that stands out when I think of how they brought the Bible into my life, those radio programs, and then mm -hmm. just reading the word for myself. And how many siblings so. do you have? I have one older sister. One older sister. Yeah. So you're the, okay, the youngest. Yeah. And what about like, you know, because kids, you know, they're, they don't inherit salvation and, and mm -hmm. kids, you don't have to teach them how to sin. Uh, kids are <laughs> lying from like the moment that they can lie, you know? So, and I think parents are the closest to notice those things. Mm -hmm. So whenever they saw you sinning, how did they approach that to you? And how were they teach, how did they try to teach you that that is not pleasing to the Lord? Sure. I, I think I probably had the most conversations with my mom. She is more ready to talk than my dad. My dad is a man of few words, but when he talks, everyone listens because what he says is is very helpful. Um, he goes really deep. They both go really deep in their faith. But yeah, I think my mom was probably the one to confront me and talk to me um, just about wanting to honor the Lord and what the Bible says we're supposed to do. And when I did something that didn't line up with it, and then walking me through the process of asking the Lord to forgive me or 
in addition, asking the person to forgive me if I had sinned against someone. Yeah, just going through the steps, the steps that we know we need to go through for repentance and reconciling to people and God. Um, and again, it didn't mean anything to me at the beginning, yeah. but at some point it crossed over in my heart to be me wanting to honor the Lord, not just doing what my parents said. Mm-hmm. And I got the opportunity to meet your mom in foundation. And as soon as I saw her, you weren't even next to her. And I was like, that is Steph's mom. <laughs> that is her mom. You both have like similar smile. Your personalities are so similar. Your guys are like upbeat, you know, and like so welcoming. Like it's, I don't know. You just feel like this warrant. So like I, I was just able to talk to her that one night that she came to visit foundation. It, it was wonderful. I had Thanksgiving dinner with him. Oh, there we go. So Andrea had Thanksgiving dinner with him. I need to ask her later on more about that, how it went and what she learned. No, your mom was the sweetest person to me. She was just so wonderful. And I would love to get to know her because it was like, you are like a mini of your mom. You're not (laughs) the first person to say that. Everyone has a very similar reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see probably being the easiest to talk to your mom because she's such a sweet lady. And so absolutely <laughs> what, so you're, you're growing up then in Oregon, right? And so do you guys have like, what are some of like the activities that you guys do within your own community since you're being like homeschool and then you're, you know, doing church in there where you, what was like the, the exposure that you had to the world and to, you know, the community out there? Probably our homeschool group was the first we did go to a church for a little while when I was six years old. So that definitely built a little bit of a community. Um, but I think that kind of bled over into our homeschool group. Yeah. So that connected us with other families that were also homeschooling. And we would do group activities together, art classes and things like that. Um, there were always a couple of families, one to two over the years, who would come and listen to Pastor John with us in our living room. So it was a small community of believers. So there was, there was contact in that way. I remember when I was maybe 14, might've been before that, somewhere around in my early teen years, someone was offering uh, sign language classes and I was just so excited to go and learn something. And it, it turned out to not be the best form of sign language. It's not readily recognized. It's not ASL. And so, but I dutifully learned the alphabet and all these words. And I still actually use the alphabet because the, the finger letters are the same for ASL in this particular Uh form that I learned. And I, I use it to help me memorize scripture. Cause if you do, if you hold up a letter for whatever is in the verse, it helps your mind. Just thinking about then at what point in your life were you convicted of everything that your your parents have been teaching you at what point does it make sense? At what point mm-hmm. do, you, do you understand I'm a sinner and I need a savior? Such a good question. I, like I said, had heard the gospel all my life. My mom says I made a profession when I was three, but I don't remember. So I, I don't know if the Lord um, heard the prayer of a three-year-old and saved me at that point, or if it was much later when more things started to make sense. I always remember that God was my father, being aware that he was my father, wanting to please him. But there wasn't a personal relationship there till many years later. And there was always 
layers where I was growing more and and knowing God more. And that really doesn't stop until we get to heaven. So I really, I don't know at what point the Lord saved me. There was a pivotal time when I was about 12 that I remember feeling the weight of my sin Mm. and crying out to the Lord to forgive me. So that might've been the time that I actually repented and it, my faith became my own and not just my parents, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't know. And how would you describe Stephanie blood before Christ? What were some of the things that you noticed that, you know, that after the Lord saved you, like, wow, I can see how, how much of a sinner Mm -hmm. I am. Right. So what was your life like before Christ? And then how did that change? Two things come to mind. One is I, I remember being fearful and dismayed by things when someone would pass away or just, I mean, I'm just anxious anyways, so it doesn't take much to kind of push me over the edge. (laughs) But before my relationship with the Lord had really developed into a deep relationship where I commune with him daily about everything, it, the despair didn't stop. It was just, I'm fearful and I'm despairing and I'm anxious and there there isn't an answer. I wasn't running to the word for that answer. I, I was maybe going to a person like mm-hmm. my mom and she was telling me the Bible, but I, I know I wasn't fully understanding it. So I know that changed. And the other would be, I desired God's word that when I was doing my quiet times to please my parents, someday it transferred over to I want to I want to learn what the Bible's saying for myself. I, I'm actually hungering to do this. So those are two changes mm-hmm. that I know only the Holy Spirit could bring about. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being like a task that I need to do mm-hmm. so I can please my parents, it's more like, no, I want to do it because I want to know that Savior, my Savior. I want to know this God more personally, right? And it brings joy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the joy of discovery. Yeah. And did you ever, after the Lord saved you, do you ever struggle? And I think this is something that might happen to all of us, like assurance of salvation. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so tell me a little bit about what were some of the things that you did in order to, you know, to reassure yourself, no, once I'm Mm -hmm. saved, always safe, right? Like once the Lord saved me, like he says, like whenever no one will snatch anyone away from from his hand, right? So the Lord says, mm-hmm. right, that no one will snatch you away from my hand. So how much time do you have? <laughs> oh, we have, oh, we have the whole night. <laughs> That's probably the majority of my testimony is mm. the struggle with assurance. And the verse that you quoted, John six thirty seven, was probably the first verse that brought me comfort because I, I knew that that was outside of myself. The doubts probably started right after I got baptized. And I remember that was another pivotal time in my conversion testimony. I wanted to be baptized and my mom wanted to make sure that I was pursuing that for the right reasons, not just because my older sister had gotten baptized Mm. recently. And so I remember her giving me Pastor John's tape on baptism. And I remember listening to it on my little cassette player in my room (laughs) that my dad had given me sitting on the floor. And I was so excited about what he was saying because he was talking about what I was interested in. And I remember just resonating and understanding, which again is why I'm not sure when I was saved because I I know he would have shared the gospel on that baptism tape. I don't remember it, but I remember hearing and understanding everything that I was hearing and going into baptism, knowing what I was doing, that I was professing the Lord as Savior, that I was publicly testifying to that. But 
the enemy just came rushing in like a flood right after I made that public profession. And I just struggled. Is Christianity true? Have I been forgiven of my sins? It it doesn't make a lot of sense. It And I, I think it was just anxiety driven because if Christianity isn't true, then why am I worried about my sin? Like you have to kind of, you know, yeah. make some sense and line some things up. My mom was so patient with me though. She took me through all the major religions of the world and showed me, um, just kind of the belief system and that the the major difference is all all the religions of the world have something that you need to do in order to be saved. There's a list of dues and Christianity says it's done. It was all done on the cross. And obviously the Bible is a huge thing that you have to contend with. What do you do mm-hmm. with the Bible? And so she, she was patient and just reminded me of the truth. And I asked her a lot of questions and the doubts lasted for a very long time. And, and it, it was scripture that was the only thing that gave me lasting comfort. I remember stumbling across, I think it's Proverbs 28, verse 26. It says, the fool trusts in his own mind. And I just remember getting so excited when I found that verse because the the basis of the doubts was, well, what if what if I don't really believe this with all my heart that it's true? Well, I want to, but how do, how do I prove that it's true? I can't. It's outside of me. I, I have to trust the Lord. And I remember just being so comforted by that verse because if I was going to trust in my own mind and try to prove Christianity in my own mind, what, what even is that? Who am I? Mm-hmm. It, it it has to be outside of me. The truth has to be outside of me. I can't I can't reason to it myself. I need I need it to be revealed to me. And then that led to Ephesians two eight and nine. It, faith is a gift from God. And if you feel that you're lacking in faith, ask God for the gift and trust him based mm-hmm. on his character. And, and this is the you know journey of learning who God is. It's, it's much like a, a human relationship. You have to talk with an individual and get to know them. And obviously God's perfect and he's not mm-hmm. here in a physical body, but we do that through prayer and the word. And that takes time to get to know him. And as he walks with you through trials in life, you realize his character is is faithful and you can look back. And that also provides assurance that he'll keep his promises. So that's kind of the, the messy journey through doubts. Yeah. Well, praise yeah. the Lord for his word, right? It Amen. is only through his word that we can find that assurance and be reminded we need the gospel daily. Amen. Like daily. <laughs> like anytime that I'm going through any circumstances or even like, inner thoughts that are not pleasing to the Lord, it's like, I have to go back to the gospel. I need to be reminded Christ died for my sins. And that means I can't be indwelling in in my sins. I I have to come clean before God because guess what? He sees my thoughts. He sees everything before I even request anything. He already knows what I'm going to ask before I, you know, before I say it. So he knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. He knows what we're trying to hide. Like, you know, it's like, we can't hide away from him. We can't. And I'm so grateful for that, for his word and the assurance that we can find in in his word. And so tell me what's happening then in your teenage years, you know, like high school, then leading to college. What is happening in your life? I graduated when I was 16. Wow. And I moved to California when I was 18. 
So I grew up in Oregon, moved to California at 18. My sister was 21. Mm. So my parents, I think, felt comfortable with the idea of us moving out of state because we moved into the same apartment complex as my grandmother. Mm. So I think they thought, well, they can't get into too much trouble. (laughs) She'll keep an (laughs) eye on them. She's a believer. So I think that was another pivotal time of growth because I did join a local body at that time out in Camarillo. And I think I probably was more excited to go to church for social reasons, but it did help me learn about the local body. Where I really started to grow was when I started going to Grace Community Church and sat under the ministry of Kurt Gephards in the foundry. This is the ministry that doesn't exist anymore. It was the career ministry at Grace Community Church at the time. And the Lord just had to peel back layers and layers of just pharisaical pride that just, it just comes naturally. You just, mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't have to be cultivated in any way. I think, you know, maybe the homeschooling and the home churching and being so much at home, I just thought, well, our family's the only one who does it right. And I was kind of skeptical of the church, like, well, what if, you know, what if they aren't doing things that are honoring the Lord and I have to leave this church? I don't want to mm-hmm. open myself up too much. I don't want to get hurt. And the Lord just had to strip all that away and help me realize that I was just like everyone else and that I desperately needed the church and no, it's not perfect and it never will be. And Mm -hmm. you're not going to find a perfect church. And if there is something serious enough, you know, unbiblical enough that you need to leave a church, the Lord will give you the grace and wisdom to sort through that and will bring you through and bring you into another local body, but you need to be in a local body. Oh yeah. So... And what um, made you decide to move to LA? Was it to be with your grandma or was it was it another reason? It really was just, we wanted an adventure. My sister mm-hmm. and I wanted to move out and it seemed silly to move out in the same town as my parents. So we talked <laughs> about moving to Boston. We talked about moving. I think we talked about moving out of the country even. Wow. And I'm sure my parents were biting their fingernails off. <laughs> <laughs> The Lord sovereignly orchestrated my sister landing a job at the apartment complex that my grandmother managed. My sister assistant managed it. And so that secured our rent. And again, we were living with my grandmother. So the Lord knew that he was going to involve my sister and I at Grace Community. And it was the best thing that's ever happened. And how did you arrive to Grace? I grew up listening to Pastor John on the radio, thanks to my parents and because we lived in Southern California, we were we started out in Camarillo, so it's a little bit of a drive, but we started going on evening service, and then it just kind of grew into, we started going to the foundry with Kirk Gephards, and eventually we transitioned to going there as our only church, mm. and in 2009, I started working there, so I'm, yeah. I'm in it to win it. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you you stayed there. Very glad. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And so can you talk a little bit about, because you're involved in a lot of things to church, a lot. <laughs> we met our Bible study foundation. Yes. So tell me, just share with us the list of things, the ministry that you're involved in. Yeah. Oh, there's so many opportunities at Grace and it's, it's a blessed problem to have that you would have to decide um, what ministries you're going to be a part of. Uh, 
I am serving in our Bible Study Foundation. I do a lot of administrative stuff. I oversee the website and the social medias, which is kind of silly because I've never done that before. (laughs) But I welcome the opportunity to learn something new. And I do like graphics. I'm drawn to that. And I love the Word of God. So if you ask me to find a pretty picture and put a graphic on it, I'm going to enjoy that. So I do that. Um, I serve on the worship band. I sing. um, And Andrea plays the drums sometimes when I'm singing. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. She sings really beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually work for our shepherd, Mark Zakovich. So I work in administration at the church as well. Yeah. So you're busy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She is. She's always busy. But it's good. It's a good busy, right? Absolutely. And you're single. Yes. (laughs) Guilty as charged. (laughs) (laughs) No, and the reason why I mentioned that is because clearly, you know, you're definitely using your time well, uh, just serving the Lord. But have you found yourself in a spot where it's been difficult to be content in your singleness? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So in 2010, um, I almost got married. And when that broke off, I the doubts about salvation came rushing back in. And so there I was devastated that this relationship had ended because I idolized marriage. And I was even more devastated because I felt like my soul was at risk. And I just, I was completely numb and just struggling. And the Lord really used that low spot in 2010 to just tear away idols and really, really cement in my heart that he is the one who works salvation. He chooses us before the foundation of the world, and there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. It's not based on feelings. Praise God. (laughs) Yes. So Ephesians 6 actually was incredibly helpful because it talks about the armor, which we're all Mm -hmm. aware of, but the helmet of salvation is actually talking about assurance of salvation. It's not talking about salvation. You don't put your salvation on. You put the assurance of your salvation on so that Satan doesn't bash your head in. And that's what I was allowing to happen. And the Lord used the, the relationship to kind of rip the idol away. And then every dating relationship since then, he's used to just strip away all the layers. I'm your husband. I take care of their hearts. I've got this handled. And so it has led to contentment where I think probably in my late teens, maybe even early twenties, I lived in discontentment. I wanted to be married and I knew my life was going to be better if I was married. And Mm -hmm. so I was discontent. I didn't talk about it. I kept it all bottled up inside, but it was there in my heart ugly. Mm. And so the Lord brought it all out through those trials. And I went from living in discontentment to living in contentment. And now I fall into discontentment from time to time. I'm only human and I still would like to be married, but the Lord is so much better. And this is his perfect plan for me. And so whether my life includes marriage or not, I am content in that. And so I can return to that very quickly when something, you know, shakes me or reminds me, oh, you're single and you're 36. What in the world? <laughs> no, this is God's plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want this. This is, this is what he has for me. And it's, it's so much better than what I could manufacture or try to, you shouldn't go about that on your own waiting for the Lord's timing is so much better because there's only one thing worse than being single and being (laughs) married to someone you don't want to be married to. And I think if we let discontent take a really good foothold, we might be tempted to maybe settle for an unbeliever or someone who just doesn't love the Lord and want to be in service. And 
it just can lead to all kinds of problems down the road. So I'm happy to wait yeah. <laughs> for God's timing, yeah. whenever that is, <laughs> if he has that. And, so. and I love that you say that because uh, the goal of marriage is to um, just be a picture of Christ and his church, right? To to be to show Christ through our marriage, to honor the Lord in our marriage. And I don't think we are able to do that if we're getting married to someone who doesn't honor the Lord, who doesn't love the Lord, because the man sure. is supposed to be the head of the home, right? And how can someone lead you in your spiritual life when they are spiritually dead, That's right? right? So I think I love that. And so what, what were some of the things that you did in order to overcome that season of being discontent in your singleness? Uh, what did you fill your mind with? Like what kind of activities or things did you do? Just recognizing that life doesn't start with marriage was a big point. And I think my head believed it before my heart believed it, but I just started filling my life with just pursuing relationships with gals and stop looking at brothers in Christ as potential husbands, but looking at them as brothers in Christ. Because even if you date and go back to being friends, you should go back to being friends because you're brother and sister in Christ. So if you date and it doesn't work out, I think maturity would say you could be friends again if the Lord would allow. I mean, if you're past separate, that's fine. Even if you were to marry, you're still brother and sister in Christ. There is no marriage in heaven. And so I think just the Lord helping me understand how relationships work. Again, back to my isolated childhood, I didn't have a lot of guy friends. And so Mm -hmm. it was like this whole new world to me. So I had to kind of navigate, well, what does it look like to have a guy friend? What are these expectations that are in my heart? Am I I really treating them like brothers in Christ or am I just looking at them (laughs) as a potential husband? And then the opposite of that is if I wasn't considering them as a potential husband, I had no use for them. And that's horrible. So... (laughs) So it, yeah, it was just so much sin and just ignorance and the Lord just patiently teaching me what relationships are and to develop friendships and to not have expectations and to not be manipulative. There's actually a funny story about that. You can edit Please this out me, if you yeah. don't want it. <laughs> You you generally know when someone is going to ask you out. And so this happened a number of years ago. I knew someone was going to ask me out. And so I was like, I, I don't want them to ask me out. So I am going to slip out of evening service during prayer time and they won't be able to because I'll go home. And so I patted myself on the back. I'm thinking, oh, it worked. I'm They didn't ask me out. 24 hours later, they ran into me and asked me out. And it it was like the Lord was saying, don't, don't try to manipulate circumstances. Hmm. Don't, don't run or be weird. You need to respond honestly. You need to evaluate the man for who he is and who he is alone. Don't compare him to anyone else. Just pray about it. Ask the Lord if you should get to know him better or if it's really a no, and then respond honestly and go back to being his friend. Little lessons like that to just not manipulate. And it makes life so much simpler. And then Mm -hmm. just filling life with activities, pursuing what you love. I've taken classes on singing and I do dance classes and I'm doing, um, I'm pursuing a degree. I didn't actually go to college. So I'm pursuing a degree now online through TMU in organizational management. So (laughs) So excited for you. The degree isn't the end goal in my mind because I don't need it. It would be nice to have and I think it's a, a wonderful thing to pursue if you can do it without getting into a ton of debt. It, the goal is actually personal enrichment. So this particular degree is a business degree, which I felt like if you're going to get a degree, you should get one that is, you know, versatile. I, I probably would get one in music if I followed my heart. But 
here we are in a business degree, <laughs> but this one doesn't have a lot of heavy accounting classes. Math is not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm here. <laughs> and it has a lot of electives, so I can mm-hmm. take voice lessons and Spanish classes and things yeah. like that and just traveling and just seeing the wonderful world that God created and looking for opportunities to share the gospel and disciple people. So there's almost too much that you can fill your life with, and you have to be careful that you're spending time in His Word and prioritizing your family and being a good worker and things like that. So we we heard about like how you're making the most of your time as a single uh, woman. And we've heard about the ministry that you're involved and all those things. So let's talk about the fun adventures that you've been able to do or gone to. Like, uh, what are some of the things that you've been able to do as a single woman? Because a lot of times women can fall into like, oh, I'm single, my life, it's ending and it's over and I can do anything, you know? So no, like, what are some of the things that we can do, you know, in in order to also enjoy our time as a a single woman? Absolutely. Travel comes readily to mind. I was thinking the other day, actually, how fun of a year 2008 was. I got to go on two missions trips. The first one was to Malawi, Africa to help Mm. build a missionary house. And that was really special. I had been on a few missions trips, but it... I really wanted to go on one that had construction. And this was the first one that I ever saw that had construction. I don't know why that just felt like the ultimate missions trip did, experience Did you construct anything there? Yes. Oh, she did. <laughs> oh, I bought a tool belt. and I love it. I brought all this electrical wire because I worked at a company at the time who made yeah. test equipment for the automotive industry. And so I was the parts purchaser. And so I'd buy these compressors and electrical wire and all these different components. And I was able to get some companies to donate some wire for this missionary's house so that we could run electrical. So that was kind of fun. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, and in Malawi, there's not normal construction equipment. They make the scaffolding and they don't nail it in. They just put boards on other things and you just climb up there. And I'm so thankful that no one got seriously injured during that trip because we really could have, but it was, it was just an absolute blast. And then I turned right around a week later after that trip and went to Paris with, well, actually it wasn't Paris. It was kind of in the French Alps. I think it was close to Grenoble um, Mm -hmm. with my sister. And we did another missions trip where we cooked for missionaries for a couple weeks. Oh, she can cook. Oh, she can cook. (laughs) Good. She's a really good cook. Take notes. So that was a really fun year and such a contrast to be in Africa in just the poverty and just seeing that situation over there and then going to the beautiful French Alps. And we did go to Paris after the missions trip and that was just so fun to just take the subway. And and this was before cell phones, smartphones. So my friend had to pull out the travel guide and figure out where we were going to go and what we were going to do. And it was just, it was an absolute blast. So tons of stories from traveling Are there any other places that you've been to around the world? So there was a fun trip that I went on um, where I was able to pick a layover um, and go to Rome. I had been to Italy with my roommate, um, Mm. I think a year prior. And so I had kind of seen everything, but because I was able, it was a cheap flight. And so if you picked the like 48 hour layover, But it was in Rome. So uh, to me, that was a perk and a bonus. (laughs) So I did that on my own, which 
in hindsight, Rome is not the safest place for a single girl to go to, <laughs> but the Lord protected me. And then on the way back, I picked Ireland. And so I just figured out public transportation, went into Dublin and walked around, took some pictures and then was on my way home. So, But you were not alone. Were you alone? I was alone. Oh, you were. Wow. Yeah. I don't great. like traveling alone. That trip um, solidified it for me. <laughs> You're like, no, I need someone to go with me. It's just boring. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I mean, especially like a country that you've never been to and no friends or no you one You want to share you, right? it with them. You're walking around, you're like, this is so cool. Yeah. And somewhere in there, I also went to Amsterdam. I packed a lot of countries into that trip. I get this just delight in packing in countries and just saying that I've been there and getting a stamp in my passport. Mm-hmm. I don't need to stay in a fancy hotel or stay there for long, but yeah. I walked down to Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam and that was really special. Oh, that's so wonderful. So. Yeah. You need to go to Dominican Republic then. You, you have I to add it to the list. I was looking at pictures of it the other day on the yes. internet. It's white sandy I beaches. I can't help you where to okay. stay. You don't have to look for hotels or anything. <laughs> no, I'm seriously. I'm all ears. Yeah, oh, I will talk amazing. over dinner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, we will. We will talk about it. That will be wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And she's very competitive when it comes to frisbee. <laughs> I've ne- I have never played frisbee. I just... Never. I've seen people playing it, but I didn't think that that was a thing that you do. So one time, I think we did something with foundation. It was at a park. And man, you're, you're good. <laughs> one of the things is like, she is good. She's good. And she's like, she is going all for it. So <laughs> is that something that you love? Like, you know, like to do like, is that, is that something that you like to do on your free time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Arlie, my secret is if I play with people who haven't played in ultimate leagues, then I look like a star. <laughs> you, <laughs> you did. You definitely you did. You should come to my league because I'm the worst player on the field. But I think that actually makes you try really hard because I play with mostly men and a lot of them are just athletes. There's one mm-hmm. guy who was trying out for the 2022 Olympics. I'm like, oh, Maybe that's why I struggle so much. <laughs> okay, you're playing with professionals. <laughs> Maybe not perfect. Well, there are actually professionals who come out and play with us. I don't mm. think they're really practicing because we're not good enough for them to practice with. But there is a professional team in LA called the Aviators. And there's a couple guys who will come and they'll play with us. And it's really fun. They're always very nice and gracious. and Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun community. And it's a fun sport. It burns a lot of calories. It's... I. I like sports that are very high intensity and interactive. So it's basically like soccer with a frisbee. Yeah. So Just you're your interacting with yeah. Well, you're you're, using your you're interacting with your team. You're yeah. trying to make a goal. You're running. So it's it's always good exercise, even if you're not touching the frisbee. It's fun. It's it was a fun, fun experience. I actually had a fun time. Good. It was really fun. Good. So now I do want to ask you because we already talked about singleness and you know being you know, finding contentment in the Lord in those single years. Um, What encouragement will you give to um, women out there that might be struggling right now, that they might find themselves in a spot where like they're super discontent and that it's an idol that they probably, you know, that they are constantly modeling uh, in their heart. Sure. Yeah. So if you could... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think the temptation is to want to control the outcome. And so I think sometimes we reach a point in our singleness where we might be tempted to say, well, I don't think the Lord has marriage for me. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be single. And maybe they don't have a bitter heart about it, but it's 
it's really putting God in a box. I don't think we can say one way or the other. I, I challenge girls who say that to just be okay with the unknown and just entrusting that to the Lord and just letting it hang there, even if it's painful. I think, again, back to the control, if we say, oh, well, the Lord doesn't have marriage for me, it's like we're cutting off a painful hangnail, Mm -hmm. but you can't cut it off. It's The Lord might have that for you, even if you're 58. Nancy Mm -hmm. Lee DeMoss got married when she was 58. So you just can never say no I'm not going to be married until you're in the grave and then you're not going to care about it anyway. <laughs> so yeah. I I think I would encourage ladies to not let their heart say, oh, well, the Lord doesn't have marriage for me because so much time has passed um, because I don't think that that's trusting the Lord. But on the flip side of that, I love Psalm 8411 because it says the Lord does not withhold good from those who walk uprightly. So if you're mm-hmm. a believer and you're striving to follow the Lord in all that you do, the promise of the Lord is that he doesn't withhold good. So if mm-hmm. it was good for us single girls to be married right now, we'd be married because we know our Lord and we know he can't lie and he keeps his promises. And so that's one I cling to often because, you know, sometimes the the desire wells up or you see a family or you're at a wedding or whatever it is. And no, the, the Lord doesn't withhold good. So I'm going to rejoice with them and I'm going to live my life and enjoy this party with my friends. Mm-hmm. They're getting married. This is so special. And you turn it around, flip it around. When you see someone who's really young that's getting married or you see, I don't know, someone who's older that's getting married, look at it as the Lord showing you how fast he can provide a spouse. Mm-hmm. If he wants you married, sometimes he brings people together very quickly when it's right. And so I try to look at that and rejoice and just use it as an example to myself. See if the Lord wanted me married. Yeah. He could bring a husband that fast. Yeah. So that amen. <laughs> yeah. We we tend to forget that the Lord is all powerful and he is the one who controls everything, the heavens and the mm-hmm. earth. And everything that happens, it doesn't happen for because of coincidence or anything like that. It happens because he orchestrated everything to happen at the time, at the day, mm-hmm. you know? So there is a specific time for everything that he has established. And we tend to forget that. Who is the one in control? It's not us, but it's him, right? Right. And um, I love that you men- uh, mentioned Nancy DeMoss because when you were telling your, you know, when you were sharing before about uh, being discontent in your singleness, all I was thinking was her. Because I remember there was a point in my life where I was feeling mm-hmm. like that, like discontent, and I didn't know if that was going to happen for me and, and all sure. that. And at one point, I found a book by her. It's like super tiny. It's like this blue. I hope I got, I'll probably put it on, on the show notes here, the link okay. to, this, to this book. But if I quite remember, I think it's Single Out for Him. It's a very thin book and it's so wonderful because uh, she just really pours out her heart, you know, like in those single years, but how can I make the most of my time and my singleness? How can I find contentment in that time that if, you know, and to pray that it's if either singleness or marriage that either, either, or I would still find, you know, contentment and rejoice in the Lord. So I I will try to find that book because I've I've recommended it to some of my friends before. So I'll try to put it here on the show notes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I was just thinking about that. Now we're going to move on to three of my signature questions for the podcast. Okay. (laughs) So uh, the first one is, uh, what are some of your favorite books? Other than the Bible, because we know like that's sure right for believers that should be our favorite book. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, a few books that have been pivotal 
probably the first is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And I know mm-hmm. maybe he went off the rails later, but I remember going through a time. I don't think it was so much doubting my salvation. I think it was in between bouts of doubting my salvation. And I had, because the enemy couldn't seem to get traction on that particular temptation, he moved to the legalistic (laughs) temptation. Mm. And so I just felt compelled to share the gospel with everyone, go knock on my neighbor's doors, talk to everyone at the restaurant. It was just exhausting. There was no joy Mm. in it. And I remember just being somewhat depressed about it. And my brother-in-law gave me that book and I was like, great. I, I don't want to read a book. I need help. I need answers. And so I pulled it down and I was reading the preface during my lunch break at work. And it was talking about if you know who God is, it will come out of your heart and you'll share just out of the overflowing of your heart. So you need to sit at his feet and know him before you can share who he is with others. And I just started crying Mm -hmm. because that was the answer that I was looking so desperately for. I was trying to do, 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 and and evangelize and share. But I I wasn't sitting at the Lord's feet and getting to know him and allowing Mm -hmm. him to fill me with joy and peace that I have in Christ. I just, I wasn't living like it. So that was... That was a hugely pivotal book in my walk. Another one is Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. And that was during the 2010 crisis of mm. not getting married when it was we were talking about it and doubting my salvation again. And it was actually my brother-in-law's mother who gave me that book. Mm. And I was trying to be all strong. This was days after the breakup. And mm. I, she just knew that I was distraught because she's a mom. She's a mom of four, but mm. she was dying of cancer at the time. I I didn't want to tell her that I was struggling because I had broken up with my boyfriend. It just seems so trite when she's laying there dying of cancer. Mm. We all knew it. Yeah. And she just, she just talked to me like a mom and gave me that book. And it was just so pivotal in galvanizing that the Lord works salvation. And it's, it talks a lot about Peter and how he was so gung-ho for Christ and he just messed up time and time <laughs> again. And the Lord used that to break him as many times as he needed to get rid of Peter and so that Christ could come in and be all. And then he used him so mightily later on in his life and the epistles and even restoring him before he wrote all the epistles. And that example, it just filled me with hope that the Lord was just breaking me so that he could use me. And I I wanted to be right with him and and I wanted to be in the truth and be in the light. And I wanted to be absolutely surrendered to him. And I was always searching for someone to tell me that I was okay, that I, Mm -hmm. that I was secure in Christ. And it was, it was Christ who needed to tell me that. And the only one who could tell me that if a human tells you that you're okay, they could be wrong. And they're just a a sin a sinner but if christ through the word tells you that you're okay even though you feel broken and useless and like you can't possibly be used of christ and then you realize that no 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 my grace is sufficient my strength is made perfect in weakness so therefore i'll boast in my weakness so that the power mm-hmm. of christ can rest on me what that's so mm-hmm. it's just counterintuitive but yeah that book was hugely impactful just in recognizing that, um, again, not living by feelings, but that the Lord saves us and 
the Lord uses trials to break us and he uses us through our weaknesses. And the last one that was really impactful (laughs) is called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And he just so beautifully tells the story of how the Lord grew his relationship of devotion and prayer, largely through um, his disabled daughter. Mm. And he is just so dependent on the Lord and just converses with him almost like a family member. We we know that God is is hallowed and he is the one who can bring us into heaven or cast us into hell, but he's also our father and our dearest friend. And so just this daily communion and this conversation and he he just tells the story so well and just gives illustrations from his life and yeah, I read that while I was in um Italy with my roommate and it brought me to tears several times. Just because he just helps you see your savior in this amazing light. Um, you just want to know him more. And it takes the guilt away of so many books on prayer, I think, could tend to make us feel guilty for not praying more. Mm-hmm. And this one took the guilt away and just made you want to converse with your heavenly father on a day-to-day basis. Not like, oh, I'm not praying enough. I'm not praying the right way. Oh, I just need to have a conversation with God. And he'll grow that by his Holy Spirit. And and he groans for us. The Holy Spirit groans and makes inter- He fixes our <laughs> prayers. So we have to just pour our hearts out to him, like the mm-hmm. psalmist says. Yeah, so those are three books that have been really impactful. Yeah, and it says, right, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And how wonderful, right, to help us in our our prayers, too, because we don't know what we ought to pray for. So praise God for the Holy Spirit. And I I love something that a dear friend, she always says in her podcast, uh, Marcy Farrell from Thankful Homemaker, um, she's one that I normally listen to a lot, especially now, you know, being a wife and everything. So she's been like, it's like, like hearing my Christian mama, <laughs> uh, just speaking to her daughter. But, um, she always says, remember Jesus is always enough. And I think that's something that we always need to be reminding ourselves because when we build those idols in our heart, it can easily obviously take our focus from Christ and put our and put our identity in those you know whatever it's that we treasuring in our heart so we need to remind remember that our identity it's in Christ not in our friendships not in our marriage or not mm-hmm. in, in whatever it is the job that I have or the position that you have or anything like that it's in Christ and if we lose sight of that then yes we will find ourselves in complete discontentment and not even trusting the Lord and, you know, his plan for our life. So now to my second question, what are three things that brings you joy? Music is definitely one. Mm -hmm. I love music. So that definitely brings me joy. Dogs bring me joy. (laughs) Oh, Foxy, we're going to bring him out soon. (laughs) And other animals, but mostly dogs. Dancing actually brings me joy. I do um, exercise classes that are dance-flavored so mm. I, is it like I Zumba do enjoy that. or what kind of? You know? It is kind of like Zumba. It's okay. called Groove Three. Mm. They just mm. break down the routines and repeat it a whole bunch of times. So there's no way you're not going to learn it by the end. And so it's just really fun to be able to actually complete a routine to upbeat music. And it's good exercise. Yeah. And you're teaching yourself coordination. I do love like dancing. I, I mean, I don't go out dancing, right? But I think it's great. Yeah, especially like for Zumba. I it's hard to like, find an appropriate yeah. outlet. So yeah. exercise classes and weddings, receptions. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now my third question and last question is um, every time that we hear a testimony 
uh, our goal is to make sure that everyone knows that um, salvation is not because of anything that we do or because how good I am. I always like to point people to Psalm 14. If anyone thinks they're good or that, or if any of us think that we're good, Psalm 14 says that there is no one good, not even one. Our goal is to make sure that everyone knows that whenever we come here, it's not because we're like have the perfect life and sure. we're so perfect because we're not, we're sinners, right? But we are acknowledging that we need a savior and that savior came. I mean, God made him who knew no sin to be sin, right? For us. And he was nailed on the cross because of our sins. And all we got to do is we, we need to repent, right? And we need to um, have a personal relationship with Christ. We need to turn away from our sins and confess Jesus as Lord and savior. And so that is our goal, right? That we can magnify Christ to this podcast. So why do we need Jesus? <laughs> That's my question. Why do we need Jesus in our lives? Uh, anyone who is not a believer, why do you need so desperately this Jesus Christ that we talk about? Mm. That's the ultimate question, isn't it? Well, I, I think for a believer, we we so desperately need Jesus to make the right decisions and, and he has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so we need him when we're struggling and we need him when we're not struggling. I remember being all excited and telling a discipler once, I was like, I, it's just so amazing. We can pray whenever we're confused and we can just ask for wisdom. And she said, and we need to ask for wisdom when we think we know what we're doing too. And I was like, oh, my mind just got blown all over again. <laughs> but I, I think for an unbeliever, um, we need Jesus because he's the one who made a way for us to be reconciled with God. And we were created by God. And so that gives him the authority to make the rules. And he has made rules that all of us have broken. None of us have lived a perfect life. We've all sinned in our mind, in our actions. We've lied. We have hated. We have, some of us, done terrible things. But the reason that all of that can be erased is because Jesus lived a sinless life on earth and died on the cross, paying the penalty for your sin and my sin and the sins of all who would believe. And so we all need that, whether you recognize it or not. And that's why we pray that people would realize their need for a savior and only the Holy Spirit can quicken. And when he does, you cry out and repent of your sins, as you're saying, and then the Lord promises that he'll save. And that's mm -hmm. the only way to heaven. That's why it's so important. That's why we talk about it. That's why we talk about our testimonies. That's why we share the gospel, because there, there are only two destinations once we get off this earth. If we trust in Jesus to remove our sin, we'll be in heaven with God. And if we don't, we'll be in hell separated from God because he can't be with sinners Mm -hmm. But the marvelous grace and all that is that he would have been perfectly just to put us all in hell because we all sinned and fell short of his glory, but he made a way for us to go to heaven and it's free. It You do nothing. In fact, you can't trust in anything in addition to what the Lord has done on the cross because that's adding to what he's done and that that's not the gospel. That's not salvation. So mm -hmm. you trust in him alone and... 
Yeah, that's why we need Jesus. And salvation is a gift from the Lord, not by works, so no one may boast, right? Amen. So nothing that you and I do, no matter if you sell your entire business and give the money to the poor, that is a wonderful thing that you're doing, trying to help someone, but that's not going to get you to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. So... I hope that you were encouraged today by uh, Stephanie's testimony. And if you were encouraged, friends, I will so much love if you just share with a friend or family and let us know how you were encouraged through her testimony. And if you have questions about salvation, we have so many different friends that we can point you to. Uh, feel, feel free to just reach out to us and uh, we would love to either pray with you or to explain more to you about how it is that we can find salvation in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Steph, I am so, so thankful for you joining me today. I have, I got the opportunity to learn so much more about you. I'm so glad. I love it. It I was a joy. It. Yeah. So before we uh, end, would you mind closing us in prayer? Oh, not at all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about the wonderful things that you have done in my life specifically, Lord. Um, but even the things that you've done in other people's lives. I pray um, that those listening would be encouraged, Lord. I pray that you are glorified through the words that were spoken. I pray um, if anyone listening might not know you, that they would just look and live, that they would ask to have the truth revealed to them by the only one who can. Thank you so much um, for the blessings that you pour out on us, Lord. Thank you um, even for the church that Arlie and I are a part of, um, where the truth is proclaimed, Lord. I pray that everyone listening might find a good local body that they can be a part of to um, find fellowship and to learn more about you, Lord. Um, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.